This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chips, scouting the best in the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, enjoying the 70-degree weather back in Louisiana. Um, <laughs> it's actually, snowing right now where I am, dick. I can go outside in shorts and a t-shirt and I cannot. I hate you. I hate. I love you, but I hate you for rubbing that in. Yeah, other than that, I'm doing good, man. Uh, Full-on draft season, so pretty much from every night from here on out, probably try to watch a few players a night, try to get some evaluations done. Got to trim down that watch list, man. Yeah, that watch list is growing out of control for me, both Big 12 and and overall, man. We've we've seen some some surprising declarations, some surprising guys going back to school. We're going to talk about that today. No bowl games to talk about unless you really want to talk about LSU and Kansas State, which I don't. Nope, 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 nope. All didn't, right. Didn't yeah. watch a second of that game. Don't You know what? I didn't plan on it either because Kansas State doesn't really have a whole lot of guys that I'm interested in watching, and they don't have a whole lot of NFL draft prospects this year. It's more next year that we're looking at. And LSU is starting a wide receiver at quarterback, so they went full-on Kendall Hinton uh in this bowl game and there's a reason they lost that's my that's my uh takeaway from that game you start a wide receiver at quarterback and you'll probably lose yep it is i mean i'm not i'm not gonna say i'm surprised i mean they don't want to burn nussmeyer's red shirt um and yeah i mean it it just just not a good situation for them <laughs> absolutely not it, it is a great day today for me though i mean it's it's a nice day outside even though it's snowing it's still it's still nice and pretty looking i am rocking the freshest new jersey that i own it is the christian derisaw jersey that i've been excited for for about six weeks uh thank you to our friends at uh jersey house by the way there's an ad read for it now guys i finally did it anyways let's get into uh some players that we've talked about some guys that are uh, maybe going back to school like i know anias smith why don't we start with anias smith we would have swore this guy was going to go like day day two easily, maybe even round two. And he announced late on Wednesday that he was going back to school at Texas A&M. What, what was your takeaway on this one, Dev? Yeah, I mean, I think I feel, I feel like he's kind of in that situation where you go back to school and just improve your, your stock, really. Um, I think for him, it probably is more about defining – what his position is going to be at the next level. Yeah. Um, because, you know, kind of his freshman season, I felt like he played a little bit more running back than receiver. This year he played a little bit more receiver than running back. So I, I think he's still kind of figuring out what is his uh, kind of stock at the next level. And if he does play running back, there's not going to be Isaiah Spiller. Uh, Cause uh, I believe he 
uh, or he will be. Uh, yes, Bill is already in. Yeah, so Bill is already in. That could be opportunity for Smith to show his skills at running back. Uh, maybe show him to be a more versatile weapon. Uh, I, I mean, I don't hate the move to go back. This receiver class is already uh, kind of deep. Um, next year is, is not going to be. Uh, I think he is going to going to play more more running back. The reason he played a lot of wide receiver is because that would mean you'd have to put C.J. Spiller on the bench. And yeah. you want to be able to maximize him. So I think it is actually him going back to play some running back. Yeah. So I think maybe, you know, he, he kind of figures that out. Because, I mean, if you think about it, him, his size at receiver isn't going to be more worth than a day two pick next year. You know, if he enters a draft this year. Um, yeah. And, and he's probably going to test really well. But, you know, at running back, I mean, he could, could gain maybe 10, 15 pounds kind of be more of a workhorse type of running back. I mean, we'll see what happens. Anum has a lot of athletes, uh, you know, the signing and they're bringing in. So we'll see what happens with uh, their offense next season. But, I mean, I, I think it will help him more than hurt him uh, at this point. It, it's not like he was going to be a for sure thing at receiver or so. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with the move. I think especially, you know, hey, this dude has a, has a chance to be one of the first, like, five running backs taken next year. Next year's running back class looks pretty deep so far. Um, or be, like, kind of a mid-round wide receiver. It makes sense. I think he's, he's a playmaker no matter what position he's playing. I think he's going to be a little bit of that, like, Curtis Samuel-type role. But I think he'll be able to put it together more than Samuel has at the next level. Uh, but I, I can't fault the move uh, to return to school. Um, trying to think. There are some guys that have declared that I, I've been very happy about, one being Caleb Ellaby in your neck of the woods in the Mac. And, Devin, I'm very excited about it for a very different reason. Uh, you and I are talking about this off air. Right now, uh, after, like, the top five or six guys in the class, I have a gigantic drop-off in the quarterback class. Uh, it's four rounds between uh, my sixth ranked quarterback and my seventh ranked quarterback at the moment. So having guys like Bailey Zappi and Caleb Ellaby being in this class can only help this frankly, very bad running back class. Running back class. (laughs) No, I'm just quarterback class. Jesus Christ. I need more coffee. No, I know what you meant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, running backs, you know, Jesus Christ. There's going to be a lot of guys, I think, especially in the quarterback class, that, that probably either should not have entered a draft or just went back. But, you know, Zappi, Ellaby, uh, two guys we, we've been pretty much exposed to on the, you know, on the college level and specifically draft Twitter. I'm not too surprised about Zappi. Obviously, he was a senior anyway, but uh, for – um, for Ellaby, it was a, I would say a little bit surprising, but also exciting because he has tools that you want to work with uh, at the next level. He played in a, a pretty pedestrian offense that did him no favors play calling wise, but he still made plays, still accurate uh, at all levels of the field. Uh, and, and he has a really nice arm. I mean, I think I think that's the the, the part that should intrigue teams. Uh, has some mobility. He's not going to be, uh, you know, like a Lamar Jackson type or anything like that. But but he has some mobility where he can 
still make plays off script and off schedule. Um, and, but he's a mostly uh, pass first type of quarterback. So we'll see uh, how things go with, you know, kind of his process, but, but he should be a, a mid round pick at the very least. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it, I, I'm looking for anything that anything to cling to. Cause I, I feel like in, in, in previous years, I, everybody gets excited about like the guys in that like third, fourth, fifth round for quarterbacks. So you can stash and hopefully get a, you know, a, a throw in starter, like an emergency starter. So far this year, I haven't seen anything like that. Anything. I saw a tweet saying that this quarterback class doesn't have like even a, a long-term starter in, in its ranks. And I'm starting to get really worried about how bad this quarterback class is. So I'm glad that guys like Ellaby are, are, are now in. I'm waiting on Brennan Armstrong for Virginia as well. Hopefully to add something. I want to get into some of the, uh, the players that we've watched in our conference. I want to start with uh, a guy that's, you know, declared. He's now at the senior bowl. going to be at the senior bowl. Brian Asamoa, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Um, I think he was Oklahoma's best player down the stretch of the season, man. He was that, that Oklahoma team did not play all that well this year, up, uh, especially compared to uh, preseason expectations. And towards the end of the season, in around when it was rumored that Lincoln Riley was already one foot out the door, Asamoah was one of the few guys like truly putting in the work every single week. Um Little undersized, 6'1", 225, but then again, that's the exact same size as Terrell Bernard. I think he's got really good range. Uh, he can cover the entire width of the field to make a tackle. Uh, he can, you know, sideline to sideline. Uh, very similar to Terrell Bernard in that aspect. But unlike Bernard, where Bernard's ability to process very quickly and watch everything develop in front of him, Asamoah struggles in that department. It, it takes him a little, a little longer and he can get himself out of the play with that, but his speed makes up for it. So he can always catch up really good athleticism, but I still think he's a little lacking in coverage ability. Motor is constant. Love that good tackler gets overpowered a little bit, you know, shedding blocks, um, you know, pretty good run defender when there's no misdirection if, if, if there's misdirection he's taken out of the play a little bit which is disappointing i think he's kind of a a, a middle linebacker and a four-man front at the next level maybe could be uh, you know a weak side linebacker he's improved in each of the last uh, two seasons and definitely got a lot better towards the end of this year I think he's kind of that late day two, early day three guy, but definitely a player that if he's, if he's not on your list, you should get on your list now. Yeah, definitely looking forward to, to watch him and seeing uh, kind of his game. Um, have heard, uh, haven't heard too much about his, his game in, in recent weeks. So, so definitely intrigued and in, in seeing that uh, for me, uh, I watched uh, Bernard Raymond uh, over the the weekend, and uh, you know it, it kind of confirmed what I've been been seeing from him pretty much all season long. Uh, I've been following him since over the summer, and, and obviously when they play LSU and in Missouri this year, I was watching those games pretty closely. But but I actually sat down with his evaluation. Um, you know, obviously the first thing that stands out is you know he's a, a former tight end playing tackle. 
and and obviously that's going to be a big part of the evaluation because this is only his second year of playing full-time tackle uh, but he definitely looked much better in terms of uh, fluidity, uh, technique, uh, you know, hand usage, uh, et cetera, uh, this year uh, compared to 2020. I felt like in 2020, he showed flashes of athleticism. He showed flashes of uh, being able to to handle different types of pass rushers and, and showing uh, solid footwork, but he just didn't put it all together. I feel like this year he did. Uh, although he did struggle a little bit uh, against Missouri uh, in terms of bull rushing, uh, there were some some big guys in the interior that uh, you know was uh, pushing them back into the quarterback and pushing them back in the pocket. Uh, but he was able to to throughout that game kind of uh, overcome that and um, find ways to to be better sitting in this anchor, uh, being better just in general uh, of replacing his hands. I think that's something that. He can also uh, be a little bit better at as well as, as replacing the hands when they get knocked off or, or when they get pushed back or pushed off. I feel like he's good at, at initial contact and, and engaging pass rushers and, and run blockers or, or pass rushers and, and defenders in a run um, at, at the point of attack, but but needs to do a better job replacing his hands and, and continuing to uh, work to get his hands inside. Um but overall, I thought he was he, – and I still think he's going to be a developmental tackle at the end of the day at the NFL level. Uh, two years of experience, I don't think is enough to throw him out there immediately at left tackle in the fire. But I do think he plays tackle at, at the NFL level. I know he's a bit of an older prospect. I think he's going to be 24, 25 by the time he's a rookie. But, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, you know, kind of the skill set he brings, you know, he, he really relies on – he doesn't solely rely on his uh, athleticism. He, he does a good job of actually having good technique, uh, and, and especially in zone blocking scenarios, he does a good job of climbing up to the second level and, and being able to root out those linebackers. I think that was the most consistent part of his game, uh, being able to get to that second level. I do want to see him uh, kind of utilize how the 49ers utilize Trent Williams. This isn't a comp or anything, but – I was going to say – no, nah, not not account by any any stretch of the imagination. But when he's pulling out on the perimeter, he does a really good job of just clearing the entire like side out. Like he, there was only like four or five reps where they actually like pulled him out to the outside or sent them out, you know, on a screen. And he did a really good job finding uh, corners, safeties, et cetera. And, and obviously, that's due to his background as a tight end. So I do want to see him kind of use him in space. I think he he's athletic enough where you can use him in space as a blocker and uh, he can he can really be successful. But uh, my takeaways is that he's going to be a developmental tackle. I think he's still a top 100 pick. Um, I think he's going to test really well uh, when it comes to the the combine and, and pro day. Uh, and I think you're going to have to uh, continue to work on some of those technical aspects and, and add more to his pass, more to his, uh, you know, pass set repertoire, because there's so many different ways you can get back into that pass. And I felt like he kept doing the same type of thing, which kind of made his sets predictable and, and let the vulnerable at times. So I want to see him kind of use the like the fake one head and stab or, uh, you know, like quick engage set, et cetera. Uh, but but in general, he, he got a he got a, uh, a day two pick for me. I think a day two round grade for me, I think he's going to be a top 100 pick and and be a developmental tackle at the next level. 
I'm actually right there with you because uh, Ryben's one of the guys from the Mac that I've done. Uh, I came away really impressed with him. I think that, again, there's a bit of a cliff with this offensive tackle class. Uh, you know, there's your Evan Neal's, your Ikamakuanu's, Charles Cross's, and then there's a bit of a drop-off. And I think that he's not in that next tier, but he might be in that third tier of offensive tackles. The kind of, if we've seen this in past years, this is your uh, Josh, jo- was it Josh Jones that was the Houston kid in 2020? Yeah, yeah, 2020. Like, yeah, Josh Jones. Um uh, uh, Matt Pert out of UConn, I think it was also a 2020 guy. Like those type of players, where they may not be first round picks, or probably not second round picks, but somewhere in that in that round three range, you get them, and you can kind of draft them, develop them, because those guys tend to be a little raw. The Senior Bowl guys, you know, from a small school, they tend to be raw. This isn't 2013 where this is uh, 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 Eric Fisher out of Central Michigan where he was somehow the number one overall pick. I think that just speaks to how bad that, that draft class was as a whole. Yeah. Um, but what I mean by that is like, get them in that kind of mid day two range, sit them, let them develop for a couple of years. And then by the time he's like 26, he's a starting tackle. Yeah. I, I think I, and I put that in, in the report that I think by year two or year three, he's going to be starting. Uh, and I think he can be a decade long starter. I think he's going to be a tackle where I don't think he's going to ever get to like top three, top two elite tackle range. But I do think he's going to be consistent enough where he can be in that like not like elite tier of tackle play. But I think he can be like above average to like really good where he can be like a top 10 tackle at some point in his career. Um, I just think that it, it just sucks that he's kind of had that, you know, development later than you would like in a tackle like that, you know, cause like if he was say right now, 20 or 21 and he was looks the way he looks right now, I think you could be talking about him maybe into the first round, early second round range. But I think due to age, also kind of him changing positions, he's still fairly new to the to the position as well. I think, uh, you know, round the round three, pretty much like early to, to mid round three is probably going to be the area that teams look at him and say, yeah, I want that guy. Yeah, no, I, I think I think he's a lot better of an option going forward than some of the other hyped up guys. And while I'm, while I'm talking about, it, I might as well talk about these two. I watched Daniel Falele out of, out of Minnesota and I watched Nicholas Pettit Frere out of Ohio state. I know they're not in my conference, relax, but I watched them and Falele like, listen, moves great. Fantastic movement skills for a dude. That's 385 pounds. The problem is always going to be, is he like two burgers away from bloating back up to 400? Like that's, that, I'm sorry, that, that we're getting to the point where that's a little too big. When you outweigh Mackay Becton by 25 pounds, there's a problem. I'm sorry. Look, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually interested to see Falele's uh, film and, and kind of dive into it, but. Like he's a, he's a, he's a good player, but I think that we're dealing with a similar thing to, to, to Ryman where like, he's still so raw. He's only been playing football since like his junior year of high school. He missed all of 2020 due to the pandemic and being stuck in Australia. And like, 
the dude's 300 the dude cut weight to 385 pounds i get that he's six foot nine but like at some point someone's gonna have to tell him like he's he's gonna have to lose some weight like makai beckton is a freak athlete for 350 355 360 something like that Falele is not the same type of freak athlete as Makai Becton is, and Becton carries 360 better than, <laughs> than Falele carries 385, despite being two inches taller. Uh, and, and again, how like dangerously close to 400 pounds. Dangerously close. I still gave him a mid-round grade, but I prefer Ryman over him. And then let's talk about Nicholas Pettit Frere. All right, our own... Our own Dante Colinelli has his scouting report on Pettit Frere up on, on Blue Chip Scouting. I tend to agree with Dante. I don't know where the hype is on this kid. I get that he's a good athlete, but there's no anchor. Hand usage is sloppy. Got absolutely murdered by, by Michigan. And then decided to just declare for the draft, skip the bowl game, when the last game you watched him was getting just absolutely like eaten alive by... Uh, by Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, I would have thought that he'd wanted to go out on a high note. Well, I, I don't get it with him. I don't get it. I well, think this is a day I, I think, guy. I think, He's a day three guy, man. I think this is very similar to what happened to me last year with Jalen Mayfield in terms of they're both like pretty athletic like tackles, but when you look at the tape, the athleticism isn't enough right and Jalen Mayfield now is struggling at guard with the Falcons and it's the same issues he had in college that like you know I I don't want to say I overlooked but I I think I betted more on his traits but with tackle with tackles you cannot just simply bet on traits like you have to be able to handle pass rushers because if you're not handling a Jabo and Hutchinson I got news for you man you're not going to be able to handle 90% of the NFL edge rushers. Yeah. Miles Garrett's going to kill you. Like, and and I I still have to watch him. So I'm not going to say any indictments on this game or whatnot, or or what I think, but I I think with athletic tackles, you have to be careful with how high you project them or what you project onto them, because it can only, you can be as, as athletic as anyone. But if you cannot replace your hands, if you can't have consistent hand usage, um, if you can't find ways to combat uh, speedier or or stronger pass rushers at the college level, it's not going to change much at the NFL level. So I I think that's that's a a cautionary tale. It's like you can you can be high on some of these guys, but also understand that they can very well flop. Because mm-hmm. if you can't block a tackle, you could not just move down the guard and you're magically going to be able to move a guard mm-hmm. and block. So, and, and here's the thing is that like you mentioned Jalen Mayfield and that that's a, that's a very good example. I mean, at, Mayfield was someone that I, that I, I liked a fair bit and I understood his limitations and I, it was a situation where you hope that he would sit for, you know, for the time being and then get a chance to play and kind of like Austin Jackson did with, with Miami where they just landed in bad situations where there wasn't that opportunity to sit and develop. Austin Jackson's a big miss for me. The, Nicholas Pettit Frere is in that kind of Jalen Mayfield, Austin Jackson, Jason Spriggs, if you can remember way back in 2016, I think out of uh, Indiana where like 
they were freak athletes, but everything else about their game was off. And like freak athletes that can move well, do well in the, you know, in the NFL, if there's a, if there's development in the rest of their game, look at Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is the perfect example of that tight end converted off of the tackle, fantastic movement skills, but he's got a solid base. He's a good run blocker. And, you know, his game has developed Teron Armstead for your team with the Saints. Similar type of thing. Everybody wants to look at these offensive tackles. I've knocked my headphones out of my ears that are freakishly good athletes, but don't have a strong base, but aren't refined in pass blocking or run blocking. Go, there's something there. And they're very well, maybe but they need to put in the work and you can't just draft these guys in round one where there's no baseline in terms of development for them and hope that it goes well. That's why Austin Jackson has struggled as badly as he did. Yeah. Cause if you think about it, like a lot of people try to do that with tackles, just like they do with edge, like edge is fine. You can have someone that is very raw, very uh, inexperienced, very underdeveloped and still draft them round one and get away with it because you can put them in sub package things. If you're drafting a tackle round one, you're expecting them to play from day one or expecting them to play early on. Like if you're, if you're drafting a tackle in round one, there is no reason they shouldn't be playing at some point in the rookie season, right? But if you select them on day two, like late day two, early day three, that way you're setting the bar lower for uh, their expectations and, and there's less chance of them just flaming out because they have these high expectations. So, uh, you know, uh, those tackles are, are cautionary tales. Like you you have these unique skill set guys, unique size guys, but what can they do, you know, when you put them can, are they scheme specific or can you put them in any scheme? Cause to me, if you're drafting someone round one, they are not scheme specific at all, especially at tackle. You, you gotta be able to do, do a little bit of everything if you're going round one, but day two, day three guys are, are typically scheme fit sometimes. And, and I think that's something to keep in mind too, when, when evaluating tackles. One thing I noticed with Nicholas Pettit for then, then we'll move on is that like you would think that with these athletic off the tackles, it's the guys that are powerful that are giving them problems. It's actually the the more athletic edge rushers because our uh Ebiketti, the uh, Penn State edge rusher, gave him fits. Ojabo gave him fits. Aiden Hutchinson beat him with both speed and power. So like at, you know, the more athletic edge rushers, they just they they brutalized him, man. I just I, I've seen round one hype and I cannot get behind that. Yeah, yeah, I I feel it. I mean, look, you know, you you just got like I say, you got to be careful with how you project tackles, man, because you can you can very I mean, these some of these GMs are going to lose their jobs because they are taking the wrong tackles. So, uh, look, Miami. That, that is a perfect example. If you don't develop your tackles, you have a situation what they have now. And it, literally, they're throwing people out there that are uh, traffic cones. So. And that's the thing. Miami's problem has been that they've tried to draft guys that are developed, like Liam Eikenberg. They've tried to draft these raw, unproven guys. Nothing's worked for them. Nothing's worked. Could have just drafted the nice but Don't make Dante cry. 
Look, I'm, I'm just there. saying, man. Look, I, I I would I would throw Sewell in in any offense to be like, yeah, I'm I'll be fine. Although I do I do worry about how they would have developed him. I think they would have let him still have some bad habits, which which can come back to hurt them. But trust me, they'd be a lot better right now if they had him on this roster. Uh, who's your next guy? Uh, so I've been kind of jumping around a little bit in, in watching like like different people. Uh, but the next guy I want to talk about. Let's see. Hold on. Let me see here. Let me pull it up. Think, think I think hmm. ah this so yesterday I finished up uh safety uh Marquis Bell out of Florida A and M University uh, gonna post that uh, later today or whenever you're listening to this later today uh but Marquis Bell uh he is uh, safety out of Florida A and M University. Uh, he was a one-time uh, Maryland commit. He played one year at Maryland before uh, leaving and then going to Coffeyville Community College. Similar to last year, how I was big on James Wiggins, this is going to be how I'm I'm big on Marquise Bell this year. Um, I think when 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 you kind of combine his uh, his tools, his athletic ability, uh, kind of his instincts, uh, you have a mid-round safety that I think can be a starter late later in his rookie season and, and be a special teams contributor early on. And, and by year two, he's, he's a, he's an NFL starter. I think he's that good in terms of uh, his range, his ability to close in space, uh, his ability to, to mirror and match tight ends. Uh, he, he does a little bit of everything that, that you want in a kind of a modern day safety. I think when, when, in terms of, projecting him to to the next level i think he can be a, a versatile uh scheme fit type of player like he doesn't have to be just a too high guy he he does a nice job rotating back to one high still making plays on the perimeter uh, there were several plays throughout his tape uh whether you know it was against ucf two years ago uh, back in 2019 whether it was against uh, teams like southern and, and jackson state uh, in some of those those other schools in, in the SWAC and, and HBCUs, uh, he does a good job of, of being able to be under control at all times. He, he's a really good tackler in space. I don't have any issues with him tackling wise. I, I think I only saw him miss maybe one or two tackles. Like he when when he closes from depth, he, he does a nice job breaking down his hips. He does a nice job exploding through, uh, you know, through contact. There's a play he made against Southeastern Louisiana uh, in the playoffs, FCS playoffs, first round, where there were two uh, players approaching him. Like it was a two-on-one scenario on a screen in the open field. He split both guys and then made the tackle. So when it comes to kind of like instincts range, uh, you know, tackling in space, tackling in general, uh, ability to, to cover tight ends, uh, you know, work from from depth, work in cover two, work in cover three. I think I have no issues with with anything he he does uh, in the open field. I, I think he he he's one of those guys. I think he's going to be a top ten safety for me without a doubt. And right now, uh, I've watched six safeties. He's number four. He's behind uh, Kyle Hamilton, Dax Hill, uh, Lewis Seen, and then 
there's one more player, I think. Uh, let me link that out real Jaylen quick. Jalen Petrie as well. Uh, yeah, but, I was actually right. I was just being a smart ass. But, uh, but he's like right there uh, with, with some of those day two, day three guys in, in terms of who I would be willing to take a bet on. Like if you're a team needing a safety, like a playmaking safety, I, I would take a serious look at this kid because – uh, and, and and teams like that that come to mind, like teams like, like I would love to see him in Buffalo. I would love to see him uh, even in Atlanta's defense, uh, Paramo Richie Grant. I mean, there there are so many uh, possibilities with him, but I really I really do like his game and, and think he he's going to be able to translate uh, very well to the next level. And honestly, I think he's going to be one of my highest uh, graded FCS players this year too, uh, because he's that good. Damn. Just damn. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I took a little bit of, a, of an off week. What I was thinking, Devin, if you got any more guys that you watched this week, then you can go ahead. If not, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll preview some guys that we're looking to get to in the next week. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. We're right, good. You got any more? I just started watching Carson Strong, but I'm not anywhere close to evaluation. Right. We talked about it before air, so. Okay, so. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some guys we're going to watch in the next week or so, uh, because the next time you hear from us is going to be the college football pre uh, college football playoff championship uh, game, so we're not going to be talking about prospects, so we'll be right back after this. We want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys, and thanks to Jersey House, you don't have to anymore. Jersey House has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15% off. All right. Yes. How does that amazing new ad read sound there, Devin? Uh, I really wanted a good ad read for, for our listeners right in the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, we're going we're gonna to steer towards some guys we're going to watch in the next week. Obviously, the new year, we've been... I don't want to say we've been slacking, but, you know, other things have come up for both of us. Uh, Devin, of course, being out of state, me just being me. Uh, but some guys that I'm looking to get to in the next week, as far as I'll stick to just the Big 12 for this. Um, I really want to look at JT Barnes, the other Baylor safety. Uh, Jalen Petrie's kind of your hanging, you know, in the slot, throwing the overhang position, maybe even be like an undersized linebacker at times. JT Woods is, is their more um, like single high ball hawking safety. They complement each other perfectly. I want to see where he ends up uh, projecting for me. I'm just taking a quick look now. If I remember correctly, he had, I want to say like four picks this year. I could be wrong. Uh, but he he had some phenomenal games forcing turnovers. I, uh, sorry, he was actually tied for first in the nation. Devin was six. So I'm going to get to see some, some turnovers, which is always good. Uh, yeah, he had two picks against, uh, against Ole Miss. So 
that's going to be a game I have to watch again, which is fine. I think Baylor's defense played phenomenal in that. I think Baylor might be the most talented team in, in the Big 12 this year in terms of draft prospects because Woods has some hype. Petrie's a guy I've already done that I have in, in day two. Terrell Bernard's the highest graded player in the entire conference for me. Abram Smith is phenomenal. I think Tyquan Thornton, their wide receiver, who declared the other day is going to be a great uh, find in that kind of day three range. He's going to the Shrine game. And then there's if like guys like Siaki Ika uh, declare, which I, I, I wouldn't advise, but uh, you know, him, Kalen Barnes, he's at the Shrine game. Baylor's loaded. So I'm looking forward to getting uh, JT Woods done. The other one I want to look at is uh, Ian Cummings' guy, Eric Izukanma. I feel like I kind of have to at this point, just get Izukanma done. Uh, obviously going to be watching the early games with him and then see what happened later in the stretch. Because there was, a, I think, the first three weeks, Izukanma had 40% of the receiving yards for the team through three weeks. And then once injuries for him and just – all of Texas Tech's offense, plus the coaching change. His production really tailed off, so I'd like to see what caused that, whether it was anything to do with him or just that the new quarterbacks in play were more comfortable with players like Kalen Geiger, who's also declared, uh, so I'll probably get him out of the way as well. Um, and then I really got to get going on this Oklahoma defense, Devin. There's too much talent on this Oklahoma defense for me to not start so whether it's uh benito isaiah thomas perry and winfrey any of those guys i need to get their final evals done yeah i i feel that yeah that those are some great names i mean uh for me uh, i i gotta get some some mountain west guys uh done i get my guy cam thomas uh done and and, and filed uh obviously is that gonna be at the senior bowl uh, so definitely get him done before that. Trey McBride as well. Uh, Want to get him uh, finished as well. That's it's one of my guys uh, dating back to summer 2019 uh, that we always reference. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ronnie Rivers uh, running back out of Fresno State. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, someone that probably in that late day three UDFA range, if I had to guess, uh, I, I like his, his ability to, to to work in zone schemes. Uh, does a really good job as a receiving back, uh, but I do think his athleticism is, athleticism is a bit limited. Uh, he's very small. He's like he measured in at five eight one ninety five. I don't even know if he's five eight to be honest. Uh, but he's going to NFLPA bowl, so that should be an uh, interesting one and one that, that I want to get done too. Because since he recently declared. Uh, then uh, looking at the Mac, obviously the big one, Caleb Ellaby. Uh, I want to get his evaluation uh, done and, and out there too. Uh, don't think he's going to get any uh, all-star uh, invitations because he's he was just a, a redshirt sophomore, I think, this year uh, or, or junior. I can't, can't exactly remember exactly what he was. I think he was a redshirt junior, actually, but I don't think he graduated, so – uh, I don't think he's going to be added to any uh, all-star games, but but very interested to take a look at his. And then uh, probably finish up and, and take a look at uh, uh, Luke uh, Gadecki from uh, Central Michigan, the other tackle uh, that played opposite. Uh, I do think he's going to be more of an immediate starter compared to Raymond because uh, I, I uh, watched a little bit of both of them while I was watching uh, Raymond the other night and, uh, Gadecki, he, he does a really good job uh, of finishing through the whistle. Like, dude 
will drive people uh, to the ground uh, even after the play is over. Like that's kind of type of edge he plays with. But I do think his measurements and, and his arm length and whatnot is going to make him move down to inside and, and play a guard at the next level. But I do think he's going to be one of those players that uh, probably could be a, a swing tackle, uh, play guard, and, and then, uh, you know, it's going to play immediately or, or be a, a, a true backup uh, throughout his career. I, I do think he, uh, you know, has some limitations athletically, but, but you know, just from what I've seen, uh, he's very technically sound and, and does a really good job of consistently hitting his landmarks and, and getting his hands inside. So, so definitely looking forward to uh, taking a look at him as well. Sorry, while we've been doing this, I just found out that one of the top players that I was looking to get to for the Sun Belt, which I still need to get to, I haven't done any Sun Belt reports because I've been trying to get these Big 12 guys done. Uh, one of the top prospects in the Sun Belt is actually in the transfer portal and now getting offers from teams like Clemson and Auburn. So uh, that's uh, Louisiana offensive lineman Osiris Torrance. He was so radio silent on it, there's not even a post from his Twitter account about it. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Um and actually, and while we're speaking of uh, transfer portal, uh, Connor Basilek has transferred to Indiana. So that's an interesting. There, there was some hype on him. Also, uh, while we're talking, Derek Stingley has uh, officially declared. There uh, we go. For the draft uh, in the Players' Tribune. So, uh there you have it. I can't say I'm all that surprised, Dev. I mean, I think we knew that since he got injured and he was yeah. out for for extended period of time. That typically means, yeah, I'm going to declare. It's just a formality at this point. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of a lot of good players still got to watch. I, I'm and I'm watching all these players. I haven't got to any Power Five guys yet, so that's going to be a challenge in itself. There once once I get to those. Uh, but but definitely looking forward to it. I, I'm hoping to get some Boise State players done in in in, in a little bit as well. I want to watch uh, Khalil Shakir before the Senior Bowl and and some of those other Mountain West guys as well. So we'll see if I can get to that too. Other guys I want to get to Oklahoma State, another sneaky deep team in terms of prospects. Obviously, um, they've got Shrine Bowl uh, invite in Tay Martin had a very good game against uh, Notre Dame, had a really good season. Uh, and then they've got some, 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 some old dudes on the offensive line, uh, two sixth-year senior guys in uh, center Danny Godlevsky and right guard Josh Sills. Josh Sills is a mammoth of a human being at 6'4", 3, uh, just an absolute mauler. So I'm looking forward to getting to those guys. I think they'll be quality depth at least in this, in this draft class. And then, of course, on defense, Malcolm Rodriguez, who has been at Oklahoma State since, I believe, 2003. Uh, and then Colby Harvell-Peel, class of 2019 guy. that <laughs> Summer 2019, baby. Uh, Trey Sterling, another guy on that defense. Uh, all in all, Oklahoma State, they're pretty stacked. There's, there's a lot of talent in the Big 12. Uh, are there any non-conference guys that you want to get to this week? Yeah, there's a, a few. Um, there, there's one in particular from Washington. I think I talked with uh, Ben Glassmeyer about uh, uh, Radley Hines, the, the nickel slash safety for Washington. Um, he's someone that 
I wrote his name down because I wanted to take a look at over the summer, like some some uh, players that uh, play the nickel position. And he was a bit, had a bit of hype after he uh, left Oklahoma and into the transfer portal, went to Washington. I heard that he was a, a bit disappointing in his 2021 season. So I actually want to go back and, and take a look at that. Uh, start looking at some of those kind of nickel hybrid guys as well to, to kind of get a feel on uh, where some of the top guys on that. So I want to take a look at him, uh, Quantrez Knight as well from UCLA. Uh, he is kind of a nickel kind of hybrid guy as well um, that, that I want to take a look at. So so a couple of Pac-12 guys I want to take a look at. I think I may uh, start out there in terms of Power 5 and, and start working my way across the map. Uh, in terms of power five type guys. So those are the two players I want to take a look at outside of my conferences and outside of the SCS that, that I think may interest me. Uh, I already mentioned some of the quarterbacks, but I've got a lot of guys that uh, at a conference that I need to get to in the, in the coming weeks, starting with uh, Georgia running back, James Cook, obviously getting another great look at him on Monday in the national title game. That's usually a great place to start. Uh, Jerome Ford, the Cincinnati back, Kevin Harris, South Carolina back, um, guy that's going to be playing in the FCS championship game this weekend, Isaiah Weston. Uh, or, no, sorry, not Isaiah Weston. Uh, who's the one from North Dakota Christian State? Christian Watson. Christian Watson. Thank you. Got them confused. Um, yeah, Christian Watson out of uh, North Dakota State. Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa as well is a good uh, one. And then, of course, like, Listen, dude, this tight end class, I'm way behind on them. I got to get to guys like uh, James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech, uh, Sam Laporta out of Iowa. Uh, there's some good offensive tackles in this class. But, Devin, I think the deepest class, uh, deep, deepest position in this class this year is edge rushers. I don't know about you. Yeah, I would think so too. I think they there's so many like I already good, have like good pair pass rushers. I already have like 13 in my top 100, and that's excluding the fact that I haven't gotten to guys like Logan Hall of Houston, Trayvon Walker, and Nolan Smith of Georgia, uh, Arnold Abiketti from Penn State, Isaiah Foskey of Notre Dame. I haven't gotten to any of these guys, and there's still 13 in my top 100. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of good ones. Uh, and, and while you, know, you mentioned uh, North Dakota State uh, receiver Christian Watson, uh, I'm going to be watching the FCS championship on Saturday. Uh, set set at uh, noon uh, Eastern time. Uh, a couple guys to watch from there. Uh, there's actually one senior, uh, two senior bowl guys in that game. Uh, Christian Watson and then uh, Troy Anderson, the linebacker out of Montana State. Uh, both and uh, Matt w- uh, Willetsko. That That's North Dakota. Just North Dakota. Not North oh, Dakota shit. State. I yeah. thought that was North Dakota State. Jesus nah, he's, he's just at the normal North, North Dakota. Uh, but he is going <laughs> to the Senior Bowl, though. He is going yeah. to the Senior Bowl. But, uh, yeah, in, in that game specifically, I will I will watch those two guys specifically. Uh, and then a few other guys, I think, that may get uh, some UDFA love. Uh, Daniel Hardy. Uh, the edge rusher out of Montana State. He's had a monster season. I think he's had like 15 or 16 sacks this year. Uh, it's been an absolute terror on on offensive lines. And then a guy to stash away later for me is safety, Jeffrey Manning Jr. He used to play at Oregon State uh, a couple years ago, but now he's at Montana State uh, doing big things. So uh, that game should be interesting. Going to watch that, probably tweet it live because uh, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled with the matchup. I think Montana State might pull off the upset, but we'll see what happens. Uh, not gonna, not gonna make any too, too big of a predictions. But excited to watch that game. 
Devin, I can tell you, I'm not giving you any predictions on the NCS championship. <laughs> I'm not giving you any. Hey, the odds say just go with North Dakota State, so you could just go. Yeah. With them. Um, man, like I said, there, there's like 13 guys on my Sun Belt list, so I could. I'm probably uh, my goal for January is to finish the Sun Belt. I think that's, that's a pretty plan. attainable goal. That's a good plan. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or, or are we we about good to get on out of here? I think we're good, man. Um, you know, just full on draft season. My see, my strategy now is, and I feel like every year I change the strategy, but now, but now I'm trying to get like all my players done in my conferences, kind of the, the smaller names, save some time from some of the big names, kind of flip flap back and forth, uh, get some FCS guys done early because there is probably a low chance I'm getting. Uh, some all 22 film on FCS players this year. So going to try and knock those out uh, pretty, pretty quickly. And then, uh, you know, work my way up to the power five guys, because there's going to be plenty of tape on those. uh, No doubt about it. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you got nothing else for today, I think that's a good place to wrap it. So uh, as always, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore draft. Follow Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at big shots pod. Follow our work at blue chip scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout, and we will see you guys on Monday. If you want to show your favorite podcast some love, may I suggest heading over to bluechipscouting.com and clicking on the merchandise tab and checking out the catalog of shirts, sweaters, stickers, and other gear available to you.